Now, we welcome you to Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513. He's Lance Meadow. I'm John Schmelk. The Giants coming off a very debilitating and disappointing 17-0 loss at the hands of the Tennessee Titans at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. And Lance, it's one of those games where all three phases, the Giants failed to execute to the level uh, to which you can get a win in the National Football League. And it was 7-0 for much of the game, but you just never got the sense that the Giants offense was going to be able to do enough to win this game. Yeah, I'm with you, John. You mentioned there was 7 nothing. I never felt as if the Giants were truly even in the game with a 7 nothing deficit. So when you take that into consideration, the offense not being able to run the football effectively, that was obviously a big part of it. And also the defense not being able to take away the football. So those two things were facets of this team that worked so well for them during this 4-1 and record following the bye. When you remove those two factors, it's back to what we saw in the first half of the season. This defense has been dependent on takeaways throughout the entire season. When they get them, they win. When they don't, they lose. It goes hand in hand. And when they've run the football effectively, John, they've been in the mix of games. They've been competitive. When they did not do that in the first half of the season, it was a rather lopsided affair. Yeah, and, and I think you hit the two big ones. Giants have been plus two or better in all their wins. They were minus two against the Titans. It swung the game 10 points. Eli's pick took a potential field goal off the board. And then his fumble put the Titans in position to score touchdowns. That's a 10-point swing right there. Uh, the Giants couldn't run the football, and the Titans could run the football. And uh, I know people will complain about the balance, and we'll get to that in a second. Saquon Barkley, just 14 rushes for 31 yards. Derrick Henry, 33 for 170. You want to understand why one team won and the other lost. That's it right there. It's really that simple. Uh, the Giants tried to run the ball, too, and I, I looked at the offense this morning. I actually tracked... Um, all their plays, shotgun under center, 12, what type of personnel they're in. And they were kind of in the same personnel they've been for the last five games. They didn't really change it up much. The only difference is that Scott Simonson was only on the field for three snaps. Evan Ingram played a lot more. But watching the plays, Evan Ingram was not the reason the Giants didn't run the football in this game. Uh, the Titans committed to stopping the run. They brought extra guys up. And they challenged the Giants receivers to beat them down the field. At Odell Beckham Jr., they couldn't do it. Saquon Barkley... Um, only had six of his 14 runs, went for more than two yards. Four of his first nine runs went for negative yards. And if you think of it, zero negative yards. And if you look at it this way, Lance, he had 31 rushing yards. He had one carry for 17 yards in the mix. So his other 13 went for 14 yards. Well, it helps when you lose one, you lose 10 yards on one of the runs. Correct. They, they just could not consistently run the football in this game and it put them in a bunch of unfavorable situations. Eight penalties, which helped with that two, three sacks of Eli Manning. The negative plays were back in full force. And this Giants offense is not, as we've been saying for a few weeks, if you're going to throw the ball 40 times, you're not going to win. And the Titans defense made the Giants throw the ball that many times. Well, and when you can't run the football and you have those negative plays, you also cannot convert on third down. And that was an absolute killer for this team. They were 3 of 16 on third down. Half of those third downs, eight to be exact, were for 10 yards or more, and including a third and 20 and a third and 23. And how many, and I did the math on this, how many do you think were for fewer than seven yards? Well, I have those numbers in front of okay, me. Okay, well, it was four. <laughs> so gonna cheat. It was four yeah. for fewer than seven yards. So it's really, really difficult oh, yeah. to win a football game when you have 16 third down opportunities, 10, I mean, rather eight or for more than 10 yards, and... Four are for fewer than seven. That is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and it was a recipe for disaster in the first half of the season too, John, when yeah. they have been in constant third and longs. And it wasn't necessarily always because they couldn't run the football, which was a major issue in this Tennessee game. It was the self-inflicted wounds. The team had 10 penalties yesterday. It wasn't all on the offense, but off the top of my head, just think about how many drives, John, were stalled as a result of false start penalty or an illegal formation. And then there was obviously that drive that I referenced earlier when Saquon Barkley lost 10 yards on well, a run. I'll give you a couple here, Lance. Killer. Drive number two, the Giants have it first and 10 on Tennessee's 39-yard line. Nate Solder, full start. Next play, Saquon Barkley, negative 10-yard run. Uh, then you're in a second and 25, and I think you know what happened there. Nothing good. Um, the next drive on a third and 10, or rather on a first and 10, you get an incomplete pass. Barkley run for no game, and then Eli sacked for a loss of minus four. That series was over. Uh, the final drive, or let's jump now to quarter number three. Uh, the second time the Giants really threatened to score, uh, they had it first and 10 
on the actually they had it second and eight I should say first on the Titans 27 yard line a false start makes it second and 13 and that was they on managed, Sterling Shepard by the correct, way correct that was a false start they managed to convert on the next play for a first down then they run it for one yard and then Jamon Brown gets called for an illegal use of the hands penalty puts him in second and 19 from the 28 two plays later what do you have and Eli Manning interception so those are the types of negative plays we're talking about Evan Ingram had a hold on the first possession of the fourth quarter, I looked at the tape. I didn't see a hold. I think it was a bad call. But you still had it. And that took a Saquon Barkley seven-yard run off the board. So bottom line here, Lance, they did not do enough offensively from an execution standpoint. That's not counting the drops. Saquon had a drop. Sterling. Um, I would argue Sterling Shepard did four drops in the game. One he slipped on. So, but still, still, still had an chest. opportunity to get the football. Still yeah. hit him in the chest. That's a drop. So, and one he might have been interfered with, which is depending on how you count him, he could have had as many as four drops in the game where uh, you're in a game without Earl Beckham Jr. And if the team's going to commit against the run, your other wide receivers got to make plays. Uh, they didn't in this game. Evan Ingram had a nice game. The receivers didn't. And looking at the tape this morning, Lance, they were not a bunch of guys running open all over the field in this game. Good coverage by the Titans defense. Well, the Titans have a veteran secondary, so I don't really think that should surprise anybody. They've got a Pro Bowl safety last year and Kevin Byard, who made a number of big plays, including an interception. Nice play on that, too. Yeah, where he cheated off the edge and Eli didn't see him, and he was able to make the play in the passing lane. So, once again, when you have veteran guys who have been around the block, you're going to see those plays, whether it be Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler, Kevin Byard, you name it. They've got a lot of playmakers there. And I think also the Titans did, John, to me, what other teams did early in the season to test this offensive line that for some reason we didn't see it in the last five games where Tennessee runs some stunts and some trickery and mixes and matches coverages and we know from the first half of the season those first eight games that hurt the Giants go back to that Cowboys game remember early in the season Dallas had a field day with stunts in that game Tennessee added a little flavor in that department and they're also bringing defensive backs from different areas it's funny watching the game I thought they blitzed a lot more Looking at it on tape, they actually didn't bring more than four guys very much, but a lot of times it would drop a defensive lineman into coverage, bring a cornerback instead to try to kind of confuse people. You mentioned the stunts in the games, and I think, Lance, one of the reasons we haven't seen it as much the last four or five weeks is because the Giants aren't in those—you can't run stunts when a team can run the ball. You know, that's how you get gaping holes, and a team can gain 15, 20 yards on a play like that. So when the Giants were playing with the lead and could run it, you can't really run those types of stunts. When you're in a bunch of third and 15s, guess what? Oh, you so can do that. It's a lot easier. So that, I think, opened it up a whole lot. Uh, Eli Manning did not play his best game. Um, he had a couple throws that could have been intercepted that weren't. Uh, his missed screen pass throw to Evan Ingram, which could have turned into a 15 or 20-yard gain, if not more, uh, was, a, was a bad overthrow. So he does not come out unscathed in this game either. Uh, you mentioned the interception to Bayard. He was playing, uh, it was kind of man under too deep, and I think they thought he was going to follow the, the, the receiver going on a deep post. Instead, he came off a of Sterling Shepard, I think it was, dropped that on Russell Shepard, like you said before, got the pick. Um, Eli lost the ball on the fumble, which obviously can't do in that situation deep in your own territory. I'm not sure if he was trying to shovel it. And it That's just what he said he hands. was trying to do after the game, John. Ugh. But it was hard to see whether or not, indeed, he was going to have any success shoveling. He probably yeah. The best decision in that circumstances is cover the football, take the sack, and move on. Yeah, it would only have been a couple-yard loss. It would have been yeah. third down, so you would have been punting it anyway. You know, risking the fumble isn't worth a, uh, a couple yards in that situation. And frankly, the, the Titans got pressure. And I thought a lot of the pressure came off the right side of the Giants' offensive line. Another theme that we had from the first eight games. I thought Chad Wheeler had a real rough day at the office. I don't think Jamon Brown played his best game either, especially in pass protection. And look, Lance, we had the formula. We've been talking about it for, for a month, literally. You got to run the ball, third and manageable, play with the lead, protect the football, be efficient in the passing game. None of that happened in this game offensively for the Giants. And that's why it looked like the Giants from the first eight weeks. And I think you really felt the loss of Beckham in this game. You didn't feel it against the Redskins because Mark Sanchez, the turnovers, the mistakes, and the big runs by Saquon, you didn't feel it. This game, his presence could have made a real difference in this game. Well, and the big difference between the Washington game and the Tennessee game is what you just mentioned. Defense had takeaways, changed field position. The Giants didn't have the luxury of only having to go about half the field like they did more often than not in the Redskins game because of all the takeaways and your defense put points on the board. But what you were hammering out, John, it's important to stay in those third and manageables 
and run the football effectively, especially when you take into consideration the weather from yesterday's game. Now, I don't want to make a big deal That's out a good of point. it. You're right. And I'm not saying that the Giants lost this game because of the weather, because the last time I checked, John, there was another team on the field that embraced the weather conditions and had success. But notice here's the difference. Tennessee ran the football. Tennessee did not put Marcus Marion in a position where they said, Marcus, you're going to have to go out in horrendous wet conditions and throw the ball 45 times. He only threw the ball 20 times. He only got 88 yards. He did nothing. But you know what? He didn't have to do anything exactly. John, in this game. Right. It was the perfect ideal circumstance for a quarterback, whether you're a pro bowler, a rookie, or somewhere in between, to say, you know what? The weather conditions stink. I don't want to be put in a position where I've got to throw the ball and it's slick and I'm going to lose it. Just run the football. And that's exactly what Matt LaFleur told his team. Guys, we're going to win the battle in the trenches. We are down our starting right tackle in Jack Conklin. But you know what? Derrick Henry is a powerful back. He can force some missed tackles. We're going to go up the gut. We're going to take those two or three yard runs. And eventually we're going to hit that big run. And it worked to absolute perfection. And that's exactly why there was such a huge disparity between Tennessee and the Giants yesterday. Yeah, and I think that's the Giants' defense part we have to hit now before we get to your calls at 201-939-4513. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. And Lance, the Giants' defense wasn't bad, wasn't good enough either, but they didn't have to. Like you said, the Titans didn't have to try to score a million points in this game because their defense was so dominant. Uh, Mar Marcus Mariota, like you said, 20 pass attempts. They were happy to just run the ball a million times. 45 carries, 215 yards for the Titans, 33 for 170 for Derrick Henry. And if you listen to Pat Shermer today, and I haven't watched the defense on tape yet, but watching it live, I think what Pat Shermer did was absolutely true, that the Giants' run fits were actually okay. The problem is that they couldn't tackle. And Carl Banks was kind of harping on this during the game that when you have a guy like Derrick Henry, you've got to tackle him low. Not dirty low, go to take out his knees, try to injure him, you know, Greg Williams, Saint style, but you got to tackle him low. You try to tackle a guy like Derrick Henry around the shoulder pads, it ain't going to work. He's 240 pounds, and he's got a great stiff arm. And especially, I think, the perimeter defensive backs, um, they were not in the mood to try to tackle Derrick Henry <laughs> in that game on Sunday. Yeah, well, to your point, since he's so big, it's a task. You know, this is not trying to tackle Deion Lewis, who may be a little slippery and elusive. This is almost like a linebacker playing running back that you got to bring down. And there were times he went oh, off the defensive edge. Defensive end. Yeah. It's a challenge for everybody. So we saw that with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you mentioned he's got a great stiff arm. He knocked out about four different guys en route to that 99-yard touchdown over a week ago against Jacksonville. And he didn't necessarily have that big of a run, but he had a 22-yard run. And he did enough to keep the Titans in second in manageables, third in manageables. I can't remember how many times watching that game where I felt, boy, Tennessee's in a precarious spot. Mariota's going to have to make something happen. He was not put in that position. And yeah. That's also a reason why he just took his handoffs in stride and said, you know what, let Henry do the heavy lifting. We talked about this in the pregame, John. Entering the game, Mariota had a career-high 61 rushes this season, which was more than he obviously he's ever had in a previous season. Part of it is he's been relatively healthy compared to previous years, but he only ran the ball two times in this game. And one was on a keeper, one was, was on a scramble, and that was it. He did enough to extend some plays here or there, but they never felt as if, Marcus, you know what? You're going to have to dazzle a little to make some plays. You know, I take it back, actually. One was a quarterback sneak, which he didn't get it in. The other one was the read option. So he actually didn't even have to scramble once and run the football, because like go. you said, he only had to drop back 20 times. So uh, you, look, the Giants just didn't tackle well. They couldn't stop the run, and I think we've seen that be a little bit of an issue, Lance, over the course of this year, especially since the Snacks-Harrison trade. So that'll be something to watch next week when they take on the Colts, and the Colts did hold the ball a lot against the Cowboys. I haven't watched that game yet. I'll watch it in preparation for the game on Sunday. But I, from what I read, the Cowboys had seven offensive possessions in that game. And what does that tell you? That they... Colts held the football, and Dallas couldn't get, those hands, they get their hands on the football from an offensive standpoint. So uh, the Giants' defense in a dome next week against a different type of offense will have a very big challenge against an explosive Colts offense next week with Andrew Luck, who's playing really good football. And don't sleep on Marlon Mack, by the way, who yeah. ran wild against the Dallas Cowboys and quietly has what he been a very with productive yesterday? back. He, I believe, he had over 100? 100 rushing yards. I didn't know that. If memory serves me no, correctly. Right. Yeah, he's been, he was very effective. I mean, he was a big part. If you look at the numbers yesterday, John, Andrew Luck, similar to Marcus Mariota, didn't have to do a whole lot. 
because they just pounded the ball against the Indianapolis Colts and they didn't look back. And that, to your point, played right into the hands of time of possession. Yeah, luck only threw for a buck ninety-two. Mac had one hundred thirty-nine and two touchdowns. Wow. And the Cowboys also had an opportunity. This was a huge turning point. Not that they were going to win the game, but Elliott, they were right within the five-yard line, and then he fumbled the football. So they were knocking oh, okay. on the door to score. That. that would have been, at least early in the game, an opportunity to maybe keep the game within striking distance. And then from that point on, Indy didn't even look back. And Prescott had a red zone turnover, too, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think somebody, at least somebody told me that Well, he today. had an interception. I'm not sure, I'm not sure okay. if it happened in the red zone, but he did turn over the ball. Well, and, yeah. he, and it's funny, too, and not to get ahead with the Colts here, and, and we'll get to your calls in a second. I want to get off on a tangent. You know, you look at all the guys that we talked about at the top of the draft last year and all the time we took on it. Think about this for a second. Do you think the Browns are happy with their guy? Absolutely. Do so. you think the Giants are happy with their guy? Absolutely. Do you think the Jets are happy with Sam Darnold? Absolutely. Do you think the Browns are happy with Denzel Ward, who was in line for Defensive Rookie of the Year? Yep. Absolutely. Do you think the Colts are happy with Quentin Nelson? Absolutely. Broncos Do you think the Broncos are happy with Bradley Chubb? Absolutely. Do you think the Bulls are happy with Josh Allen? I'd say probably sure. I think he's shown some progress. I think the Bears are happy with Roquan Smith. Would the Niners give up Mike McGlinchey? He might be the second-best rookie offensive lineman after uh, Quentin, Quentin Nelson. Nelson. I, yeah, McGlinchey yeah. might be better than Nelson this year, to be honest with you. The Cardinals are happy with Josh Rosen. I'm not sure how well Minka Fitzpatrick's played this year. And then you get into Vita Vea, eh, not so sure. Deron Payne's been wonderful. Solid. Uh, for the Redskins. And then you get into Marcus Davenport and Miller, and then it gets a little dicey. But for the most part— Well, Derwin James has been fantastic. Oh, he's been Chargers. tremendous to, for the To be Chargers. honest with you, Derwin James and Leighton Van Der Esch, I think are really the two steals of the draft right now. I'll, I'll put yeah, them up against anybody that. else. The fact that Derwin fell to the Chargers and Leighton Van Der Esch to the Cowboys at 17 and 19 respectively, you're going to be hard-pressed to argue anybody else in the first round with yeah, me. Yeah, and I think, right DJ, I think the Panthers are happy with DJ Moore 24. Yeah, but I think, I, I think those two that I mentioned have been yeah. far more productive and impactful. Calvin Ridley's been really good at 26 yeah. for the Falcons. I think that's a really nice pick for them. Um, and Sony Michelle's been a good running back for the Patriots too. But yeah, I would agree. I think those guys probably value-wise probably are, are, are right up there. Uh, Nick Chubb for the Browns, top of the second round. Well, now we're getting into the second round. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. But the bottom line is that the, the and point— And Darius Leonard, by right. the way, for oh. the, you're going to see this week. Could be defensive player of the year. Him and Van Der Esch yes. and uh, Bradley Chubb are the three guys and kind of in line for that. But how rarely do you take a look— and it was just one year. There's a long way to go. But you look at the top ten picks in this draft, and right now everyone's like, yeah, we're damn happy with who we got. I don't think one team would say, boy, I wish we had a mulligan on that one. I think everyone's pretty happy. Well, and that goes back to it's not where you pick, it's who you pick, John. Yeah, Which right, is exactly. what we've been saying time and time again with the draft. That's why I, I chuckle when fans think it's a lost season and they're like, well, I would just rather see my team lose out. Yeah, that's fine. I, I'm not going to disagree that the higher you pick, the chances improve to get perhaps Correct. that franchise Hall of Fame player. I, I'm not going to dispute that. Math is but, math. But what we just went over, we went over pretty much the first 10 picks of the draft, and the guys, for the most part, have all made impactful contributions to their respective teams. It's still a small sample size. Who's to say that this is going to continue? But all of them made good decisions based on their research and could walk away with players that are going to be hanging around those franchises for not just the rookie contract, which is what you want out of a first-round pick. Yeah, it is in the NBA where you have one or two like awesome players that you know could be super-duper stars, and then you got a bunch of guys where maybe one out of the next 15 is going to be good. You can find, like, Mike McGlinchey is going to be a Pro Bowl tackle. I'd be surprised if he's not at some point. They could pick the ninth. They pick the ninth. So... Bradley Chubb dropped all the way to five. I mean, Chubb's leading all rookies in sacks this year. I mean, Nelson was six, so, I mean, look, you got, you got a lot of really good players. Anyway, 201-939-4513. Uh, let's get you on the phones. We'll talk about the game. Anything else you want to talk about with the Giants, and we'll continue to break it down as we go along. It's all brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Let's go to Troy in New York on line one, Matt. Let's lead off with him. What's up, Troy? Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing well, Troy. What's up? Uh, I want to start off by say, um, talking about our defense yesterday. Um, I think we made a lot of business decisions. A lot of guys didn't want to track Derrick Henry, like you guys were alluding to. Um, a lot of drop passes as well by yep. the receivers. Agreed. But we 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 really need to address Eli Manning, guys. It's it's not fair to the fans. It's not fair to the offensive line. The way how I hear that we talk about the offensive line and who's not blocking and who needs to be better. I want you guys to just just picture 
having a tackling dummy behind five guys and asking these five guys to protect the tackling dummy. I'm not calling Eli Manning a dummy. But what I'm saying is if the quarterback cannot move in the pocket, create. Troy, I had a question for you. Troy, I have a question for you. Do you think Tom Brady's a good quarterback? Tom Brady's an excellent quarterback. Did you you watch the game against the Steelers yesterday? Yeah, I did watch that game. So do you think Tom Tom Brady Brady was a tackling dummy back there? Is, is Is that how you would define him? Here's what I would say about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is very good at making people miss in a phone booth. Oh, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Uh, come on, dude. I'm, He's a sick duck back there, but, just like but, Eli. Here, here, here's what I'm going to say. We can't really put Tom Brady in the same class as Eli Manning because I've watched countless amount of games where Tom Brady has brought his team back, galvanized his team. No, but, no, but Troy, I'm not comparing them as quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm comparing their mobility, which is the factor you just brought up. And their ability so, to make people mix and move and things like that. And you know so what? I'm, not 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 neither one of them can move. And Eli's never I'm, been able to move. Well, and I'll throw another guy. What about Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers belongs in this conversation. Yeah, he too. can't move either. He can't move either. And last time I checked, but, he took but, care of himself against the Chiefs. The, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we talk about Philip Rivers and Tom Brady, well, Philip Rivers haven't won a ring. I haven't. So, seen but him what difference does that make? What difference does that? See, you're getting off topic. Stop changing the conversation, Troy. We're talking about statuesque quarterbacks, guys that don't have mobility, that make it a little bit more challenging on their respective offensive lines. I don't care whether Phillip Rivers doesn't have a yeah, Troy, if you want to talk about I, Eli's bad throws yesterday and he didn't play that well, fine. Go ahead. That's fair game. But it, his mobility is what it is. You can win with a pocket guys, quarterback guys, that can't in, move. Guys, in today's, in today's football where we have guys that are being bigger, stronger, and faster— it helps to have a quarterback that has a little bit more ability that can create and extend play. Yeah, but that doesn't guarantee winning is what we're talking about. Phillip Rivers yeah, is having, leading the Chargers. Having, having, Eli Man- having Eli, I've seen Eli Manning sack himself so many times. I mean, go down before defenses even get to him. This is unacceptable. I also watched, I hold on, I also watched the Philadelphia Eagles play the Rams last night, Troy, and Jared Goff, who's a relatively mobile quarterback, not excellent, I saw him go down despite the fact that he can roam the pocket. And by the way, I saw Nick Foles outplay Carson Wentz, even though Carson Wentz is a lot more mobile than Nick Foles. So, yeah, see, because you know, you, but you know why these guys are being are successful? Because, because they have better offensive lines in front of them? The- no, no, because these guys can read and scan the field very fast. Oh, my God. Are you telling me read. Eli Manning can't read defenses? Is that what you're trying to tell me, Troy? Give me so a break. We, are, we, are we saying that Eli makes all the perfect reads no, all the time? Knows? No, I, I but, watch, no, no, but no quarterback but does. Just no because, quarterback can, makes perfect listen, reads all can, the time. I can watch the game and, and watch Eli Manning zero in on a target every single time. Oh, it yeah. I'm, 15. Oh, it can be 7 15, and Eli Manning is going to throw a check down on his third step back. He didn't even observe the field. So the Giants, so, have, the, the Giants can't even run like an RPO. Wait, oh wait, time out. I have a like question. Time out. Time out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said Eli checks it down on every third and long. What was the down and distance when Eli threw his interception to Russell Shepard? Tell me. When what he, was it? Okay, so when what was that, it? Okay, it was third he, okay, and he, twenty. I'm, I'm glad you brought. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because when Eli Manning threw that interception to Russell Shepard, do you know that um, Sterling Shepard was wide open on the post, but Eli looked down Sterling Shepard so much that the safety seen it and cut the route off. This is a this is a this is a, 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 a often occurrence with Eli Manning. He always throws interceptions in the red zone. He always makes a costly turnover. Look at that shovel pass that he did on third and long. Eli Manning, take the sack. You're well, over, and we we talked about that. That was a bad decision. Troy, I'm not disagreeing with decision. you. No, nobody's saying Eli Manning. If, if your point is that Eli Manning can't yeah. read defenses, it's idiotic. We're not saying Eli Manning cannot read. That's defenses, what you literally just said. He does not always make the best decision. No, and that's fine. That's right, Troy, we're, okay. we're not disagreeing with you, but that, but that that's doesn't accurate. mean that also doesn't mean that he's not the best option right now for this team to win football games. Those are also two different conversations. I mean, you're talking about bringing in a mobile quarterback, so you're going to tell me that Kyle Ouellette and Alex Tanney start this entire season, the Giants are going to the playoffs and winning the division? Is that what you want to make? Guys, guys, we're talking about Kyle Ouellette and Tanny. Like, Tanny has played three snaps in nine years. I don't even know why he's even on our roster. Okay, so, okay, so, so, so Troy, that's the point. That's Troy, your, from a real, that's, I'm bringing this back to realistic conversation. You don't like Eli Manning, and I've heard it from plenty of fans. So we remove Eli Manning from the equation. Who are you bringing in to replace Eli Manning? That's my question to you. You, you. you see, my problem is with the Giants. The Giants will sign Tanny to be our backup, 
while Teddy Bridgewater is uh, Teddy, he's the greatest quarterback, but he could he could have been a backup on the Giants. Well, so Teddy, Teddy, hold on. Teddy was under contract with the Jets, number one. Teddy was then traded he, to the Saints, and he's going to be no, a free agent. Well, no, after but this Troy, season. more importantly, Troy, do you know why Teddy Bridgewater signed with the Jets? He had a legitimate time, a legitimate opportunity to start because he thought he would be able to play. Teddy Bridgewater was right. not going to sign with yeah. the Giants because he wasn't going to play. Oh, guys. So, okay, so do we think that Eli Manning should be able to suit up for the New York Giants next year and continue with the same, the same play? Troy, remember, Troy, I wanted to, Troy, Troy, I wanted to draft Sam Darnold. Don't come talk to me about this. Sam Darnold? Are we serious, Sam Darnold? I, I don't think Sam Darnold's a great quarterback. Wait, time out, time out. Hold on a second, Troy, goodbye, 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 goodbye. So hold on. You yell at me that you hate Eli Manning and want to get rid of him. Then I say I want to trade Sam Darnold. Then you say Darnold sucks. I didn't want him either. So what do you want to do? Well, that, that, that's Come my, on. my response to everybody that wants to get rid of Eli Manning is nobody has a plan in place of what they want to do. So you, you're saying you want a mobile quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is not an option. And Kyle by the way, Aletta, he's not even that mobile, by the way. He's basically, he's got, his leg was basically like in pieces. He can't well, move. He, he's still fighting his way back from that injury. He's still recovering. So you have to look at the Come landscape on. of the NFL before you just say you want to throw away your starting quarterback. I mean, it's <laughs> and, not as if these guys grow on trees. And then he, then he doesn't want Santaro. I mean, well, come on, what are you? But, how, but that's are we to the point now where people are so sensitive about the Saquon Barkley pick that now you have to hate Sam Darnold? Is that where we're at now? Probably, I would say. Well, I, I just don't think most Giants fans can throw a compliment the way of a Jets oh player, too. I think goodness. that's part of the equation. I actually thought Sam Darnold's coming off one of his best games oh, of the he season. He played great on he played again, And that was against a really good defense of the Houston Texans. He made some great throws, With great decisions. no offensive line and no yeah. receivers and no running back. Wow, this quarterback class has really turned out to be good in the early results with yeah. what Baker's doing, Sam Darnold, and, and the rest of the crew. And Rosen and Allen and yeah. Darnold are both in less-than-ideal situations. I mean, look at the receivers on the Bills... And the Jets, the Cardinals have lost every single one of their starting offensive linemen this year. Yeah. Rosen's been getting killed all year. I mean... Well, even Baker. I mean, Jarvis Landry's like the last guy standing yeah, out Teddy, of that receiving court, and, too. And just back to his original point, Teddy Bridgewater was not coming here next year. He was not going to sign somewhere to be a backup quarterback. And Lance and I are all in favor of the Giants exploring their options to figure out who the next answer is. If the Giants get into this draft and they say, you know what? We really like Herbert or if he comes out. We really like Haskins if he comes out. And they want to pick that guy? Great. Okay. I'm for that. Eli's 37. All right? He has one year left on his contract. We get you have to look forward. Nope. Duh. We talked about this last spring. Last spring. Eli did not play well in the game on Sunday. That's fine. He made bad decisions. His two turnovers are bad turnovers. But... Don't. Here's the thing, Lance. What changed from the last five games to this game? Did Eli Manning change? No, not at all. The factors around him and the execution of the offense changed. Thank you. And this is the point we've been trying to make. The one and seven record wasn't necessarily because of Eli Manning. The same way the four and one record since the bye wasn't necessarily because of Eli Manning. He is what he is, and we're not even telling you he's a top five quarterback, a top ten quarterback. But if the pieces around him are correct, you can win football games with him. There is not a better option on the roster right now. Does that mean he's your um, one-all, be-all, you know, guy at the position for the next three or four years? No. They're completely different conversations. Well, the last caller clearly is I'm not grouping all fans together because everybody has various opinions, but was waiting for this type of a game oh, yeah. to return to the narrative that started earlier this season that Eli Manning is to blame for all the Giants' problems when there's a number of things that you could point to. So this was a convenient opportunity to get back to the narrative he's done, they got to look elsewhere, he's not the best option right now, and this and that. But there are also a lot of those same fans, John, that were getting a little bit excited when the team was turning things around and now start calling us up and giving us all the scenarios about, well, if two of these teams lose because they have a tough schedule and the Giants run the table, look at what's going to happen and they get into the playoffs. So I, I chuckle internally about the convenience of when these people come out of the woodworks to return to old narratives because right now the result of the yep. game allowed you to do that. It's perspective. Yeah. Have a little nuance, folks. Have a little nuance. And by the way, oh, I should have saved the tweet. I didn't see it. 
Of the five quarterbacks that have been sacked the most this year, besides Eli Manning, do you know who the other four are? Well, Marcus Mariota is up there. Is Marcus Mariota Which mobile? was a team, yes, that Aaron Rodgers, I would say, is near there, or is he just he outside? Be, He's taken a lot of hits. I know who the other three guys are. Do you want to know who they are? Yeah, who are the three? Dak Prescott. That's right. Do you the consider Cowboys. Dak Prescott a mobile quarterback? I would say he's mobile. Do yeah. you think Deshaun Watson's a mobile quarterback? Absolutely. He's in that top five. in that category, too. And who's the last one? Let me remember. Oh, I remember. Russell Wilson. That's right. For the Do you Seattle consider Seahawks. Russell Wilson a mobile quarterback? Indeed. So it doesn't solve all your problems, does it? Well, I was told by multiple experts across the board <laughs> that mobile quarterbacks solve everything. So I'm going to stick with those facts, John. I don't care what the offensive lines have done. I don't care how many guys have taken sacks. The mobile quarterback solves everything. So you put Alex Tanney and Kyle Oletta back here. This giant season is completely different. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He's up next. Hey, Joe. Hey, good morning there. Uh, you guys, to get, they're getting your blood up there a little there, but... Uh, what can I say? Tennessee had us doing the waltz yesterday. Two steps forward and we take a step back. But you's all right there. You know, Eli didn't have his best game, but there was a lot of contributions to it, you know, with the drop passes and the penalties. And, and you know, we just ain't going to move the ball. And if we would have scored a touchdown earlier, it was, what, what was it, way up into the third quarter until they – went up on to a 17 nothing or the fourth quarter, you know, just the score, and we could have been in it right to the very end and would a player or two went this way or that way. Uh, but uh, even the way our defense played, uh, only, you know, giving up, what, the 17 points, you know, it was there the win, even though they out-physicaled us. Uh, our defense on the line, you know, especially on the ends, it's, it's all year round you can see it, you know. It just seems... Uh, there's no containment, and there's the poor cornerbacks having to come up and try to uh, tackle that big running back, you know, which I, you know, I pitied them there, but I, <laughs> I don't even see our linebackers. They're nowhere in sight. Well, either, remember, Joe, you know? a lot of those you plays, though. Dallas and the other teams, they have three, four guys swarming. Yeah, but Joe, that, Joe, a lot of those know? runs, a lot of those runs, though, Joe, were not designed outside runs. A lot of those were runs where it was supposed to go inside, and the linebackers filled those gaps inside forcing him to bounce, and then once he bounces, sometimes well, your quarterbacks have no to tackle. But there's yeah. no containment. You don't even see the end, and the poor corners are coming up on yeah. that. Sometimes uh, you got to tackle. You know. It's part of the job description. It's part of the job description. As a corner, right, you got to tackle. Right. Uh, well, on that previous caller, you know, I, 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 you think the Saints are going to let Bridgewater go without making him a good offer? Because <sighs> good question. his name's up there, too. Uh, Drew Brees. The quarterback, right? Well, Breeze is getting up there in age. I don't think Breeze is going to retire. I think they may offer him something, but I will say this, Joe. I think there's going to be a number of other teams that are going to look at Teddy. They're going to have a conversation. They're going to say, Teddy, right. we can offer you our starting quarterback job, and Teddy's going to listen to that, and he's going to debate, well, do I stay behind well, Drew Breeze right. for three I, or four I, more I years, or do I start? Right. I agree, and like I said, I don't know if the Giants would say, you come in, you have a chance to win it, and you know, Eli is up there, you know what I mean? You can definitely, whatever, if we don't get a, if we don't like one of them quarterbacks in the draft and that, you know, I would definitely look into it too, you know, and with the, his connection with our coach. So, Pat Shermer, yeah, they work together there. in Minnesota. No, well, I, no I've said, Joe, I'll, I'll, I'll let you continue. I have said multiple times, I like Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. I like the connection with him and Shermer, and I have no problem if the Giants do want to go down that route. It's just, once again, what Teddy has on the table across the NFL landscape yeah. may be a little bit more attractive. We don't know until yeah. the free agent market plays sure. out. Go ahead, Joe. Right, uh, yeah. and what his decisions are. So, hey, just like in in uh, Philadelphia where Fultz is willing to sit on the bench, you know. There you, you go. Know, yeah, I, that's I a good example. Um, but what I, I, I was going to say, the other day, Lance, I, I would like to respond to when the caller called up when you and Paul was hosting the show and, you know, you were talking about the refereeing. What did you think of that call that when the player went out of bounds, did you see that one there? You're talking about when Derrick Henry stepped out of play? Right. Yeah, I thought there was enough evidence based on the multiple angles that I saw that Pat Shermer was right to challenge it, and I thought they were going to win it. I was yeah. relatively surprised yeah. that That's there was not enough evidence. There are times where I've seen a borderline call, and I will say, you know what? It looks close, but I don't think there's enough visual evidence to overturn it. I thought there was enough here yeah. that it looked and like it, he stepped and up. And, Joe, it's funny, bro. And, and, and this is what you were talking about, the refereeing, you know, uh, how it was to call her for the year and how hard it is. I can see 
see, you know, when they have to make the plays uh, call right away. But when it goes to the booth in New York and you can see that, and I think 90% of the people would say, you know, he stepped on the line. And same thing like uh, I'm bringing up like an Eagle game where last week against Dallas where the fumble was obvious that they recovered it. You know, no, but that how, wasn't the fumble. How obvious you have recovery, these but. calls, you know? I don't understand. No, but Joe, that. Joe, Joe, I, I can just tell you what Pat Shermer said after the game. They asked him about it, and at the time when before I saw the replay myself, I'm like, I don't know if you want to risk using your second challenge here, or just for ten yards. They don't have any left. But then I saw the replay, and they showed it on the scoreboard. It was clear as foot went out of bounds. What hockey league told Shermer um, on the field is that they never saw that particular replay, uh, uh, which seems it's, ridiculous it's to me. Yeah. A, I right. guess they didn't see it in the Dallas game either. No, you know that, what I mean? Uh, it is a uh, crock. Well, you, but you know I don't what I mean? They that bring that point, themselves but... into that situation. No, but Joe, here's bad Joe. enough with the calls they have to make. But when you can't get it right on the field, or when you're looking at it and you have time to review it, something's wrong. Like uh, the guy said from the safety said from uh, – New York to the guys who are reviewing on the booth. You better lay off the bottle. You know, I don't know if he got fined for that or not. But just same thing like our coach. He said, well, I saw him step on the line. Are they going to fine him? You know, it's it's ridiculous. They do it. They are terrible this year, the ref. They are terrible. Well, but see, what you're going at, it, and Joe, and appreciate you, Joe. the phone appreciate call. It. Thanks so much for weighing in. What Paul and I got into, and I don't want to get completely off topic, but I was saying that when an official is seeing something at full speed, and you're then having the luxury at home on your couch to look at a slow-motion replay, it's hard to hold refs to those same standards when they miss a face mask when it's going full speed, or you know they call pass interference because it looked like hard contact, and then you see the replay and there wasn't much of anything. That's different than, boy, I'm sliding into the screen like Chris Collins worked yeah. last night on Al Michaels, but getting back to the point here, that's different. <laughs> People do like that, apparently. What? The yeah. Collinsworth Well, that's why I yeah, thought, because that was a maneuver here that we were pulling off <laughs> as I'm trying to uh, stay on topic about the officials. But I get back to my point. That's different, John, than what Joe's bringing up, which is a play or a call where you have the luxury of replay, and then for some reason, the way the coaches are seeing it versus the way New York is seeing it are two different things. So that, that, that's a completely different conversation and dialogue. I just want to make that clear. I'm still in defense of officials who may miss things at full speed. But it's another thing when you have the luxury of replay and you're like, well, what are they looking at versus what are the coaches are seeing? Yeah, and look, I thought it was a pretty obvious thing that he went out of bounds. I really did. Um, But I guess they either didn't get that particular replay. Maybe it was only on the scoreboard. I don't know, but I thought thought it was fairly obvious. I'm not quite sure why the Giants didn't end up winning that challenge. 201-939-4513, back to the phone. Scott in New Mexico. What's up, Scott? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? What's up, Scotty? Uh, first of all, John, I owe you a giant mea culpa because uh, I was one of those few fans that actually thought the Giants had a chance to make the playoffs. And on Friday, you alluded to the fact, let's see what they do against Tennessee and obviously what they did against Tennessee. Scott, that's okay. Too. Scott, as a fan, you're supposed to be optimistic. You're supposed to have hope. I just didn't want to start breaking down six-team schedules with three games remaining <laughs> no, on the I schedule. Know, but I sort of got <laughs> caught in the euphoria, and it brings me to my question as a longtime Giant fan. I don't know what I'm looking at anymore when I see the Giants. Uh, you've already alluded to all the different things they did wrong on Sunday, so I'm not going to rehash that. But there's an old expression uh, everybody's probably used, uh, fool me once, uh, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And I don't have any confidence anymore in what I'm looking at with the Giants because against better teams, I started going back against the four teams uh, that they beat. And you were right to say they played Nick Mullins in San Francisco, even though San Francisco beat Seattle yesterday. Uh, they played Tampa Bay, and then Tampa Bay makes that big rally coming back. They beat Chicago, but they should never have been in the position where they well, had, and you had Chase Daniel, come by the way, in that game, too. That. Chicago was a good win, though. Look, beating yeah. Chicago is a – they're a very good football team. Good defense. That is a That was a very – I don't care if Chase Daniel was starting or not. Yeah. That was a good win. The Mark Sanchez one you throw out – the Bucks turned it over a bajillion times. And right. look, you won in San Francisco. That's a solid win. I think Nick Mullins has shown he's a pretty good quarterback. But that being said, the 49ers also have, what, two wins? Three? Whatever they have this right. year? It's not a lot. So, look, Scott, that's true. But And to they me, I, they four. Thank you. I This team doesn't fool me. I, I think I'm, I'm actually pretty comfortable understanding what the Giants are right now. They're a team where if they want to win, they have to be able to run the football. 
If they don't run the football, right. they're going to have a lot of hard time winning these games because their offensive line is still going to struggle pass protecting in, much pa- in must-pass situations. And with that old Beckham Jr., that's certainly going to be the case because guys are going to have trouble getting open down the field on third and longs. Defensively, the team has an extremely inconsistent pass rush, okay? Um, right. And they don't have those great super talented players where you're going to consistently stop teams if they don't get takeaways they are going to struggle so that's what the Giants are right now and if they don't run the ball they don't take the ball away and protect the football they're probably not going to win a whole lot of games so that's what this team is despite the weapons and whatever else you thought about them before the year that's what this team is right now they're also up right. and down in stopping the run, too, I That's would say, on defense Absolutely. as well. I mean, let's not forget that in 11 of the 14 games, the opposing team had over 100 rushing yards. But th- I think the All takeaways right. have, have has hidden that flaw. That, and that's what I've been saying. Right. It covers up your issues. So yeah. yesterday was the point, and we'll let you continue, Scott, where you had zero takeaways. This is the fifth time this season, John, they've had no takeaways. They've lost all five of those games. Why? Because as we've mentioned— Takeaways change field position and cover up the issues because now you have less possessions that you got to stop the run. You have less possessions where maybe you show you're struggling to get after the quarterback. When they don't cover that up, those real issues are exposed. But in preparation to the game, they obviously knew what Henry could do. And as you alluded to earlier, John, uh, you want to tackle him low. So I'm assuming Betra had them prepared to do that. So why was it every tackle I saw was really up high? And so if you know a running back has certain, you know, peccadillos and he's going to do something a certain way, why would you not do the things that really are going to help you hopefully bring him down earlier than they were able to do? Your question is a question that coaches ask themselves every time they go to bed after a loss. (laughs) All these coaches know what they're doing. They're they're telling their players, and and, and, and Scott, thanks for the call. i got a bunch of other people I want to get to. All these coaches know what they're doing. They're telling their guys to do the right thing. Whether or not the guys actually do the right thing is usually a reflection of whether or not they're really good players or not. That's what execution's all about. Uh, you can lead a horse to water. It doesn't mean that necessarily he's going to take it. And, yeah. and that's a similar parallel in terms of coaching. You can tell a player a hundred million times, John, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. What do they do in that moment? And there are also times where sometimes the environment doesn't necessarily lead to perfect execution. Now, I don't want to get back to the weather, but the conditions were extremely slippery. I'm sure that played a role in terms of leverage and how guys were approaching the opposing players and so forth. Only the guys could truly reflect on that. And there weren't many questions after the game about it I would personally like to hear whether guys felt they were having a hard time getting some traction on the field yesterday as a result of the wetness now I'm maybe I'm going down a road that doesn't lead up to anything because Tennessee still was able to execute and play good defensively but Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry are two different running backs and how you approach them is a little bit different as well so you have to take that into consideration but I don't necessarily think it was a matter of that the Giants didn't know what they were getting into it was the fact that the execution wasn't where it should have been and Pat Shermer was asked today, John, at his press conference, actually, which is related to that question, he was asked, did Tennessee show you things that were a little bit surprising? And he said, no, we even saw opportunities where we thought we would be able to take advantage of that and just could not execute. And that's they had the some, too. They had drop, you, you mentioned the drop passes earlier. I mean, that, that's part of it. Yeah. And, you know, other times Eli didn't make the throw he needed to make, too. So it's the way it goes. And again, what Pat Shermer stressed today at his press conference, execution on first and second down, lacking which is why they're in those third and longs. Again, folks, 16 third downs, 8 of 10 yards or more, only 4 fewer than 7 yards. It's hard to win that way. Christian in New York, he's up next. Hey, Christian. Hey, guys. I know Eli can still win with the right pieces around him, but at this point, I kind of feel like uh, it's kind of owed to the fans to have a decent backup around, and I know that wouldn't be easy because they're not going to have a ton of cap room to bring a guy like Jameis Winston in or, I mean, even Blake Bortles. I don't know exactly what he would ask, but I think it's kind of a time where they got to have a guy behind Eli that can somewhat play a little bit. Yeah, but here, Christian, here's the thing. Either pull the Band-Aid off or leave yeah. the Band-Aid on. If you want to bring in somebody else to play quarterback, bring somebody else in to play quarterback. The last thing you want is us sitting here in week six next year 
and you're getting questions every week about whether or not you want to start Eli Manning or Blake Bortles, okay? That's the last thing you want to deal with around here. If you want to go to a different quarterback, which is fine, and your argument is, look, you're in a rebuilding situation, you know, Eli gives you a certain ceiling, you think you should start more of a rebuild now, that's a logical argument, okay? I get that. That's fine. But rip the Band-Aid off. Don't, you know, bring in another veteran that you say, well, if Eli plays bad, then you can bring the other guy in. That is a recipe for controversy and disaster of epic proportions. Either he's your quarterback or he's your quarterback with a young draft pick behind him. That's okay, too. But you don't want Eli plus good veteran where you're going to be like, oh, well, he threw two picks this week. Here comes the next guy. That's that, that, that that's not that's not going to work. It's Which is not. already happening even though you don't have necessarily a proven veteran behind Eli Manning. We're still having those conversations, Sean. And, and the, Could you imagine if it was Jameis Winston? Oh, I oh, mean, my, every single it. week it'd be going. Yeah. Pat Shermer would be having to decipher and explain why he chose Eli Manning over Winston and so forth. And before we let you continue, I'll, I'll give you two examples of why it makes sense to have a proven veteran. With respect to your point, Christian, the Cowboys, when they had Tony Romo as their starter, one year they went out, they gave Kyle Orton good money. I think they paid him about 5 or $6 million for a backup quarterback. That's good money. But Romo had an injury history, so they were concerned that if they lose Romo, they're going to need somebody to come in and keep them competitive. And Kyle Orton, remember, played a meaningful game last week of the season a few years ago against the Eagles. They lost that game, but he kept them in it. The other example is the Eagles with Nick Foles. Carson Wentz was a rookie. So you want to protect a rookie quarterback in case he gets hurt or he doesn't play well. So you bring in Nick Foles, you pay him good money. He also had some familiarity with the scheme because of his ties to Doug Peterson. So those are circumstances where you're not creating controversy, as John mentioned. It makes logical sense. If you don't think Eli is good, there's no point to bringing in a proven veteran quarterback. You just replace Eli Manning because he's at the tail end of his career. Those are the two different circumstances there. Well, yeah, I, I agree that it would probably be a sour situation if it were a guy who doesn't have, like, a legitimate future in the league. But, I, I mean, if it were Teddy, uh, I mean, at least you'd be looking forward a little bit if you replaced Eli with him. So, I guess, yeah, I mean, I'll adjust. Yeah, but Christian, that. again, here's the thing. I don't, unless, if you, if you tell Teddy he's coming here to be a backup, I think he'll have better options. And you're not going to be able to pay him a lot of money as a backup anyway. So, to me, if, if, Teddy Bridgewater's here next year, he's here because you're making him the starter. He's not here to be Eli Manning's backup. Right. I mean, at least at least be able to compete. But, um, I mean, I just hope – I know it'll be hard for them, but I hope that, as a fan, that they'll do something to have something behind Eli. Where no, no, but, well, but, but, that, but see, we get back to the point. I mean, to cut you no, off, no, John. Please, go ahead. It, it goes back, Christian, to the point that if you're using the term compete, and I find that interesting because then what you're saying is Eli Manning does not allow you to compete. So why are you then keeping that quarterback on the roster? At a huge cap hit. It, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Right. You're basically, you're coming to the conclusion, the whole point, at least this is me interpreting what you're telling us, Christian. You're not sold on Eli Manning helping this team win. Therefore, you want a proven guy that could sit behind him that you think will help the offense be more productive. Then you know what? That's the sign that it's time to move on from your starter. What's what the purpose of paying is, both of them? Well, well, where I'm coming from is I think it's looking like they keep Eli. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, basing it off what it's what it's looking like right now because, I mean... I could see how you're right. You're kind of leaving a lot of money on the table for quarterbacks if you go get, you know, Jameis Winston and keep uh-huh. Eli at his current contract. Correct. But, yep. uh, right. So, but I mean, if they could just, you know, try to have somebody behind Eli, a young guy, you know, I mean, I think it's probably the year that they need to draft a guy. And Dwayne Haskins is better than people think. I think he's competing with Herbert for that top guy. Again, I, uh, Christian, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I have not watched either guy in depth yet. I know uh, Dan Salamone has been trying to sell me on Haskins <laughs> for the past month. He's an Ohio State guy, by the way. Um, and we'll obviously do all our draft stuff coming up. And uh, First, I'm going to watch all the senior. I know you guys are going to keep asking me about quarterbacks, but uh, the plan here is we have the Senior Bowl the third or fourth week of January. So I want to watch a lot of the seniors so I have a baseline to kind of judge these guys when I get there so I can have a clue what all these guys can do. So I want to do that first, so I'm probably not going to get to the quarterbacks until the beginning of February. I know that's going to drive people kind of bananas and off the wall, but that's kind of where I am. And we not we might not even, what, what's the, 
Do you know what the deadline is for guys to declare? Middle of January? I think it's middle of Something January. Something like that. So we yeah. might not even know about Herbert until the middle of January anyway. Correct. And there's a and lot I'm of... Not, and I'm not wasting my time watching a guy if he's not coming out. I got. I don't have enough... I can't watch as much of guys as I want. So I'm not watching watching him until I know if he's coming out or not. And that's what the early speculation was, that he was not going to yeah. come out. Now, things could drastically change. Time will tell. Gil but... Brand said last week he would bet that he would, but a lot of other people I said no. I did see no. that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a lot is going to depend on what the class looks like and also... You know, there, there's other issues on this team, John, that we've talked about. I don't want everybody to all of a sudden get into this situation where it's absolutely going to be a quarterback and we start revisiting the date like we had all of last offseason. And if there's one thing we learned last year, what does Dave Gettleman want to draft, Lance? The best available player. He is not concerned with position value. You might not like it, but that's what he believes in. You saw it last year. When he talked about, when he was asked about the devaluing of the running back, what was the word he used? Hogwash. That was the quote. Yep. Hogwash. And by the way, if you know something about Dave Gettleman's draft history, Lance, what does he like to draft? Well, last time I checked, he's drafted a variety of different players, I would say. I mean, McCaffrey, remember, was drafted high. Correct. The previous year before Barkley, but he also likes his big boys, I will tell you that. He likes his big boys. Yes. And... What does this draft have abundance of in the top 10 on the defensive side of the ball? You got some of those big boys. And you got pass rushers. What happens if they decide to move on from Olivier Vernon next year? Yeah. Even if he's here. Well, they've already parted ways with snacks. You so still need a, another example. You still need pass rushers. So, again, there's no guarantee that's where they go. And who knows where the Giants are going to draft? They, be, they could still be drafting 12th or 13th if they win their last two games. Which, you know, is going to be tough. The Colts, I think... Uh, are fairly big favorites heading into this game, given what they did to Dallas last week. But, you know, you finish with six wins, you're picking ninth or tenth. Who knows if one of those quarterbacks is going to be there? Then you have to trade up. You already don't have a third-round pick this year. You want to not have a second-round pick or a first-round pick the following year? That's a recipe for disaster, yeah. too. Well, and the other thing that I want to throw out, of course, we don't know where the Giants are picking, but I know the counter to what you're saying, John, is people are going to say, well, most of the other teams drafting high already have their quarterbacks. But here's the thing. There's something called a trade yeah, that you just exactly, mentioned. So right. who's to say that that order is going to remain like it is, you have which to means com- a yeah. team may move up to grab a quarterback. Yeah, you have to compete with other teams that are yes. going to move in front of you. Guys, people pick, you know, moved in front of the Giants to pick offensive linemen before. You don't think they're going to move ahead of them to pick a quarterback? I mean, come on. And by the way, who knows what John Gruden's going to do? That dude could draft a quarterback in a second. And I wouldn't be surprised if he said, all right, I'm going to start with my guy, which could be one of these two guys. Uh, Or, heck, maybe only one of them comes out like we talked about before, too. Um, What are the Redskins going to do with Alex Smith out? Is Alex Smith ever playing football again? That's another big question mark. I don't know that. Yeah. And if he's not playing football again, you don't think they're going to be thinking about drafting a quarterback? Absolutely they are. You know, maybe the Bengals are I ready think the to Bengals move on from Andy Dalton. I in that conversation, too. They maybe, may. Maybe they're going to think about trading up to make a move for a quarterback. I mean, that's a possibility, too. How about the Buccaneers? They could be picking before the Giants. Do we know that they're going to keep Jameis Winston around another year? Yeah. I don't well, think we there's know There's a that. lot of teams that yeah. could very well be in the business. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, real quickly, earlier we were talking about all the mobile quarterbacks, by the way, that have taken sacks. I brought up the number of sacks teams have given up, and there's a few more I just want to add just to pile on to the conversation. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, is fifth most sacks. He hasn't missed a game. That's 46 sacks that they've surrendered. That's top five. Derek Carr, we didn't even mention. The Oakland Raiders are move. three. 48 sacks that Oakland has allowed. You mentioned Houston. You mentioned Dallas. Uh, Miami's up there. They've had a variety of different quarterbacks, so maybe that's not necessarily the greatest example. We mentioned Marcus Mariota and Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. Even Cody Kessler is relatively mobile, rounding out pretty much the top 10 as their eighth overall. So, the top 10 teams in the NFL that have given up the most sacks, virtually every single team has a mobile quarterback. And interestingly, as you go all the way down the list, the Los Angeles Chargers, who have Phillip Rivers, John, 25th they rank in terms of sacks allowed. So that's the positive. They've surrendered 29 sacks, and, and they Ro- have a statue as a quarterback. And Roethlisberger really can't move anymore either, by the way. And the Steelers are in the bottom five of the league. And New England has allowed 19 sacks with Tom Brady, which is the third lowest amount of sacks surrendered. So it just goes to show you with the landscape of the NFL, you give a quarterback a good offensive line, the offense is going to be able to produce. You don't give a quarterback a good offensive line, whether he's mobile or not, you're going to have troubles, period. 201-939-4513. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app. 
to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the year. Two more calls before we say goodbye. Len in Columbia, Maryland is up next. Hello, Len. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well, Len. Um, I want to weigh in on the Eli thing. Um, you know, as far back as, geez, 06 maybe, I started to get this feeling, I still, and I still feel it today, uh, perhaps for different reasons today, uh, which Lance outlined early in the, uh, in the show today. Uh, you, you put Eli on the field, we got a chance. You know, different reasons today than maybe back in 06, but as Lance so aptly put with the first caller in the reality check, he's the best guy we got. I mean, you got to play the best guy. Hey, look, Len, if you were going to move on from Eli Manning, the time they move on from Eli Manning was in the draft last year. Once they did not draft a yeah. quarterback with that first pick, yeah. now he was going to be your quarterback. Period. Stop. Yeah. Conversation yeah. over. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, Beckham. You know, I, I think I said on the show before the season started that if we, if, we, if we had Beckham for 16 games, we'd get just his presence. We'd get four more wins than we had last year. And, you know, I, I think we missed him yesterday. You know, sure. To, yeah, you know, to make statements about, well, if we hadn't had so many penalties and you know, if the ref hadn't called it this way, we would have won the game. But I really think, I mean, I'm going to use the words difference maker. And, uh, I, I mean, the, the Giants' ownership and leadership on the football operations side, I mean, these are not dumb people. I'm not suggesting they're the smartest people in the world, but these are not dumb people. You don't pay a guy $95 million unless he's a difference Lynn, maker. that's why I they mean, paid him. They paid him so that if teams going to gang up on the run to stop Saquon Barkley, they, they have got, a difference maker to beat him over the top. What were the Giants lacking yesterday? A difference maker to beat the Titans over the top. You know, um... I love Saquon, and um, I, I hope I get to see him play his whole career. Yeah, us too. Beckham's the difference maker. Nah, you know what, though? But if you don't have Barkley there and you can't run it, Len, then you run into what you had the last two years where teams are playing two deep safeties and Beckham yep. can't get over the top anyway. So yeah, you I need gotcha. both. I gotcha. yeah, they complement one another. I know. I, I, got, I got a little bias there. <laughs> and it's not, a knock, it's not a knock against it's no, not a knock Saquon's against Barkley. Great. He's great. great player. He's going to be a great player. I, I just one. think this guy, <laughs> and, I, and, I th- and I think the Giants' leadership knows it too. This guy's the difference maker. Uh, you know, John, they must have been listening. The NFL office must have been listening to the show on Friday when I got on and ranted about leg whips. <laughs> as, as soon as we got off the line, as soon as we got off the phone, I went online and I found out the league fined the guy. Took them three weeks, but they finally find that Eagles linebacker. What twenty one thousand dollars or something? Yeah, Grugier Hill. Yeah, leg whip. yeah. Honestly, I'm yeah. not. I'm not sure Len, when that letter went out. I'm guessing it probably went out a little bit earlier, and it just got reported later. But it was okay. pretty funny that it came out right at the same time. Yeah, um, you know, if you're a, if you're a mid level team in the power rankings, and and let me just say, if you're somewhere between fifteen and twenty five as a team in the power rankings. I mean, you, you're going to get days like that. How many times have we said, you, you know, we're going to get days like yesterday. How many times have we said it's a week-to-week league? I mean, you know, you go up 40 to nothing on the Redskins, you come back to next week and get beat 17 nothing. And Len, like... I, I mean, that's what happens when you're in that middle range. You, you get uh, things like and that. And Len, There's like... Disappoint- and, go ahead, John. And I'm, Len, sorry. I'm sorry, like clockwork every year, and you can speak this because you've been to every single game, and I want to get your take on how long you stayed in your seat, by the way, in the weather on Sunday because that, that, that could not have been easy. Eli Manning has that one game in cold, bad weather at home every year in December where he struggles it. a lot. This was the game. It just was. You know, I've, you know and, I've, and I've said this before, and I know you've got to go. Just, I've I got a couple of quick things here, but Sims and Manning. Never got enough credit for that they got to play in that stadium in December. Yeah, it's not easy. They, they've never gotten enough credit for, for, for that fact. For that fact. I mean, Breeze is a great quarterback. Drew Breeze is a great quarterback. Let's not take that away from him. But he plays 10 games in a, go, in a dome every year. It helps. At least 10. It helps. And then he plays in yeah. warm weather sites besides that. And the other six. I mean, you know, come on. There is a difference. There is a difference. That, I mean, that was, that that's was fair. terrible yesterday. Hey, and Len, still wet, yeah. John. And, Len, and Len, that's why Brady and Roethlisberger get the same credit. They play in very, very tough environments, too. And those three guys play yeah. in tough home stadiums, yet they still figure out a way to win late in years. So, so how long did you stay in your seat? All four quarters? <laughs> 
into the third. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could tell with the and, laugh and guys, he wasn't hey guys, there the whole guys, time. I'm still yeah. wet. No, I know. It was hard, dude. That was that was a hey, rough, hey, rough day. Hey, a couple of one, yeah. one other quick Real thing. fast. Um, if you want to look at a position group and, and look at a position group and decision-making, business decisions, as we, as we call it today, the old John Gruden line, you, you look at your D-backs first. I mean, they're the smallest guys on the field, and here comes Derrick Henry. <laughs> you know, I mean, these guys, you know, it's December, it's wet. Yeah. Andy Robustelli in the early 1970s, and I believe this is going to be true for these next two games. Somebody said to him early December when it was a bad season, and, you know, we really weren't very good. And somebody asked him, what's the point of these next four games? And Robustelli said, we are going to find out who wants to put on the blue jersey? Yeah, thank you, Len. I think that's what I think that's what the next two games are about. All right, All right come on, let's go, Giants. Right. Thank you, Len. Thank- right, and look, I, I'm never going to question whether or not a guy's trying, and I'm not doing that with the, with the defensive backfield. But their tackling was poor. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, execution wasn't there. I, I think anybody that turns on the film, the film doesn't lie, will tell you that. But I also don't love the narrative when every player who's on a losing team that's going to miss the playoffs is constantly asked, John, well, what the hell are you playing for? And I've heard a number of different answers, but and I don't want to give credit to this quote because I don't know who said it, but one player who responded said, this is what we do for a living. This You're- is our profession. If you had a job that you went to work every day and you perhaps – came to the point where you finished the project, does that mean that you just sit at your desk all day? So I thought that was a good parallel. They're paid to play football as a professional. You go out, you do the same thing you do every single week, whether mathematically you're in it or you're not. It's called inner pride. I yeah. mean, when you go out there and you play you know, rec basketball, you're not getting paid to do it. No. You have what the you passion do? for it. You want to play. Yeah. I mean, it's fun, right? I mean, that's what people do. Of course. The, the other quick point that I just wanted to piggyback off of what uh, – Len was saying week-to-week league, which is a term I always use. The team that the Giants are playing coming up this week, the Colts. So the Colts just shut out the Cowboys 23-0 yesterday. John, it was a few weeks ago they got shut out by the Jaguars (laughs) 6-0. And that's a Jacksonville team that's got a number of issues. So, I mean, sometimes it's hard to make sense of the NFL. And just lost to Josh Johnson, who hasn't played a game since 2011. Yeah, I mean, that's the league for you in a nutshell right there. 201-939-4513. Our final call of the show is our buddy Charlie in Portland, Maine. Hi, Charlie. Hey guys, how y'all doing? I'm, uh, well, no, we're doing fine. Could be better, yeah. Charlie, but it's okay. <laughs> we're doing okay <laughs> until you open your mouth. Oh. <laughs> uh, hey, Len. Um, anyway, we kind of email each other once in a while. Oh, so oh wow. Isn't that, that nice? That's beautiful. Look at you <laughs> making connections through. So, wait, how do you make connection with Len? I believe he's not on social media, though. That's true. Yeah, yeah. well, it's email. What? Email. Well, is well but you had to get his email address, is the point. Of course. So, he gave how- it to me. Well, but how? So you guys must have exchanged numbers or got numbers or something. This is wow. This is a convoluted. Oh, wait, 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 wait a second. Yeah. Did, didn't Len visit you or something like that? Is that yeah, true? He was going to. He was going to, but he never came up. Oh, he okay. Wow. What a wise decision, Len. By the way, <laughs> fully support that decision. Yeah. Yes, go ahead, Charlie. Hey, I was just gonna say. Look, you can win one game without Odell. You're not gonna win two. Um, and we miss Collins for the tackling. Uh, great we miss, point. We miss Odell. Great point. We had two star players, one on defense, one on offense, didn't play. Yep. And I think Eli, I, I didn't see the whole game. I saw 90% of it. I didn't see when he fumbled, but I'm assuming he must have had a rush coming up. Right? Oh, he absolutely uh, you know? did. Yeah, he was getting rushed. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he kind of stepped through the middle of the pocket, and it looked like he was either trying to grab the ball with two hands or pitch right. it or shovel it or something, and it kind of just squirt it out. Yeah, yeah. and the wise yeah. decision would have been to take hold a, on take and, and take the sack. It's a bad play. I, it's a bad play. I, I'll let you continue, Charlie. It actually somewhat yeah. reminded me of a play that happened last night, for those of you who may have seen the Rams-Eagles oh, game. The Jared play, Goff, yeah. I, I don't know what he was thinking. That was also a poor yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. My that goodness. Was, but that, yeah. And that was an interception. Yeah, but, I mean, it's the same thing. Just take the yeah, sack. Just take the sack. <laughs> just go down. Live yeah, to see I another play. I mean, uh, Eli's been pretty good at taking sacks. He's got, what, 48 of them, whatever the heck he's yes, got. Yeah. So it wasn't like he wasn't trying and by to. the he way, trying to make a play. Charlie, that, and, I, and Charlie, by the way, that goes yeah. back to the idiotic point the first caller made that he just gives up plays and falls down and doesn't try to make something happen. Well, on a third and 20, instead of checking it down, they threw a pick. Then on a sack trying to make a play, he fumbles the ball. So you can't complain about the turnovers, but then complain that he just takes sacks all the time. Okay? That he's not being aggressive. It can't, it can't be yeah. both exactly. at the same time. 
Exactly. I mean, look, Eli is our quarterback. He's going to be our quarterback next year. Did you see like two or three throws he he had in that game? He, I mean, there was one to uh, uh, Shepard, and there was a couple to Ingram, to Ingram and there yeah. was another one to uh, Fowler. I think it was. Yep, that was on a blitz. Uh, and Coleman, who he just, you know, in the in the wet weather, in the rain, Eli had some really good throws. In our defense, even though they gave up a million yards, we were in that game. They weren't giving up points. And, you know, if we didn't have those two turnovers, which is, a, you know, we did, but if we didn't, you know, we, we could have, we you know, we could have won that game because we were down there, what, a couple times to score? And um, I, I don't know. I, I just think it was just, it was just not – it was just not our game. And like I said, you can't win without Odell. You know, we look like we did when we didn't have Odell last year. Remember, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, that's what we looked yeah. like. Well, a lot you of know, other players were hurt, though, on top of Odell. But I, yeah. I know how what many, you're saying. How many passes did they drop? I mean, was it yeah. four? Yeah. I mean, I would say probably five or six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, and then we had penalties. I mean, we were Ten penalties. Ball, and then we'd get a penalty. Then yeah. we'd have yeah. a drop pass. And this that's what happened in the first ball. half of the season. I mean, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, playing offense is a, is a rhythm and, a, and momentum. And, and when you get negative plays and you drop passes, it just stops the whole thing. And then you, then you got third and like 20 or whatever it is. Or third 15, and forever. You know, and then, then you then you got to take chances. And Eli, you know, had to try to make plays. So Thank you, Charlie. He's our, he's our quarterback, and he's going to be our quarterback next year. Well, we'll and, see. And uh, long live Eli. Absolutely. Okay, All right, Charlie. And, 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 and frankly, if I had to bet, I think Eli's probably the quarterback next year right now, too, if I had to bet. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, Again, I, think, I don't know if it's 100%, but I would bet. No, but sure. I think it's trending in that direction. Yeah. I would certainly say that there's some signs there that would lead you to believe that that may be the case. That's why, and, and nothing certainty, but you know, for the fans who are saying that this is the last hurrah and working this narrative that it, they're going to move on, they're going to move on, I would not put it in pen because there's no definitive answer with respect I, I, to that. I can't that predict on. what's going to happen in the draft and of the quarterbacks that are free agents. Again, what, I mean, there's no guarantee they get the guy that you want because there aren't a lot out there that are starting quality quarterbacks. Just saying. And by the way, on that one play that he talked about when the pick to Shepard, they were playing man under too deep, which basically means you're playing man across the board and your two safeties are playing deep. On that play... The post pattern's not open. That turns into a double team because you have the guy corner following Sterling Shepard on the post underneath. Then you have the safety deep over the top. The safety actually made a really good play because he went off of what his responsibility was supposed to be, covering Shepard on the post and came down on to the player running the app. Might Eli have stared the guy down too much? That's very possible. I'll have to look at it again. But again, that's a good play by the safety. Eli actually threw the ball to the right place. Did he maybe lock onto the guy? That's possible. I'd have to look at it again. Lance, good show. Absolutely. I was just going to say, speaking of business decisions, real quick, the one play, though, that I think we should criticize Eli Manning for when Barkley was trying to make something <laughs> out of nothing, I chuckled because Eli, he was right in front of the play, and you could tell Eli was like, Saquon, you are on your own, my friend. That is veteran smarts, <laughs> unlike yes. Mark and Mariota, who decided to block Ogletree and did, by oh, the yes. way, but and he might pay for a decision like that no. at another time. Eli was very wise in his decision-making there. Everybody, good job on the calls. We appreciate it. Thanks for calling in, being part of the show. Russ Salzer will be back with you tomorrow. I'm with he's with Paul Dottino, Lance with you. Yes, he's with he's Paul. He's with Paul Dottino tomorrow. So make sure you tune in to Big Blue Kickoff Live for that. For Lance Menno, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow on Giants.com. Everybody have a great day. Have a good one.